And now, before we officially begin this week's episode of the Boochcast, I have something very important that I need to discuss with all of you here at the Boochcast Nation. As you know, for many years now, I have been affiliated with a wrestling company called Universal Championship Wrestling. And the company is run by a gentleman by the name of Ronnie Gossett. I've known Ronnie for close to seven years now, and and anyone who knows Ronnie like I do knows what a bright light he brings with him everywhere he goes. Sadly, his declining health has added to the intense depression that he's fought since losing his daughters in 2017. Ronnie, in addition to being a wrestling promoter, also uses his musical gifts to spread joy to everyone around him and invest in his community every time he has the opportunity. Ron's health has begun to severely affect his quality of life and his ability to function independently. After being hospitalized, he has been advised by doctors that he doesn't have the one to two years it would take to get his health under control. However, there is a solution. Ron can get through this physical trial and thrive if he is able to raise the funds for a life-saving surgery. There is so much hope for his life, there is so much joy left for Ronnie to spread, and there are so many more fun nights he gets to create. Fighting diabetes that is out of control, coupled with blood flow issues and coronary heart disease, has brought intense pain to Ronnie's life daily and made even the most simple tasks incredibly difficult. He is losing the ability to work and provide for himself. Ron has been involved in the professional wrestling industry as a wrestler and a promoter for over 20 years with events that entertain many and also makes a living traveling throughout Georgia and South Carolina, facilitating karaoke and using his singing talent to entertain and inspire others. Ronnie will wear the mask of I'm okay forever and is the last person to ask for help. Trust me, I know this from experience. I love Ronnie to death, but he is a stubborn bastard, and he will never ask for help. He has needed friends to help him get to and from events in recent weeks, but struggles with shame, embarrassment, and believing that no one cares about him. His life matters, and it can be saved. Any amount helps. A surgery will save his life and give him the opportunity to live many more years blessing the lives of others, even reconnecting with his children in the future. And that is why I am encouraging everyone to go to the GoFundMe page that we have on our Boochcast Facebook page and donate whatever amount you can to help him raise the money he needs for this life-saving surgery. The goal is to raise $15,000. Now, as I mentioned before, every little bit helps. So you're not required, obviously, to donate thousands of dollars if you don't have that kind of money to throw around. But every little bit that you can give helps. And just to show how serious I am about this, I personally, Vinny Bucci, have donated $50 to the GoFundMe campaign. And I'm doing it for two reasons. One, because I consider Ronnie a dear friend in addition to a coworker, and I desperately want him to get better. But the other reason is to show all of you, the Boochcast Nation, that I always practice what I preach. And the one thing that I always preach to you guys is that I never, ever, ever, under any circumstances, ask any of you to donate money to any cause that I myself 
am not willing to donate to. So go to GoFundMe.com slash Saving Ron's Life. I will have links to this on the Boochcast Facebook and Twitter page for you guys to easily access and donate whatever amount you can. Every little bit helps no matter what it is. Don't feel like if you're donating a small amount, you're not contributing. You are helping us to reach this goal. Let's help Ronnie get back on his feet and get him the life-saving surgery he needs to thrive and provide and live a long and happy life.
Boochcast, Boochcast, party time, excellent. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back with a brand new episode of the Boochcast. Party on, Vinny. Party on, Elvis. And this week's episode, we're going to get letters for this one, but we promised this will be the title. So the title this week is Hashtag Feed Zach Ramen Noodles. Because we said that was going to be the title, so we got to go with it. We got to give the fans what we promised. Hashtag, you know, Feed Zachary Scott. Ramen Noodles, uh, poor guy. He's been starving. Dude, just hang on. We'll get you fed. People will donate. We'll get you your ramen noodles, son. I know you're losing a lot of weight. Um, you probably lost at least 30 pounds since the last time we did the show. But hang in there, buddy. You're going to make it. I know you work around food all the time. Maybe you can scrape some uh, food off those plates when the servers don't stack the plates correctly. But maybe... Just maybe you might steal some barbecue chicken in the meantime. But don't worry, pal. We'll get you fed. Absolutely. We are definitely going to do that. That is our, our big moment. And if you want to help us uh, with hashtag FeedZach uh, Ramen Noodles, we got our supporter page. This is taking the place of Patreon. Uh, you can go to anchor.fm slash theboochcast slash support and become a supporter of the show. We are still working out the, the prizes for each section, but even if you support now, once we get the prize thing figured out, we will send a prize to you. So don't feel like you have to wait for the prizes to get each section. We will give those out to you. But each section is the first is you can support the show for 99 cents a month. Uh, that's the first tier, so that's the cheapest one. You can literally just throw 99 cents per month over here, and we're good to go. Also, the other section is 4.99 a month, which is basically the price of a Peacock subscription. And uh, the other one is, of course, 9.99, which is the price of the WWE Network. If you're out of the country, but if you were living in the states, and you were putting that amount of money towards the network. You got no place to put it now, so why not send it over here where the content is better? So go to Anchor.fm/slash/theboochcast/slash/support. Support the show and feed Zach. Yeah, right. please do because we do have a, a starving ginger who's at the house tied up to a basement with an inflatable mattress who needs to be fed. Now, we can't assure you that your ramenos will get to him. Will he have the water to boil up? That's another question. But, folks, there's a starving, dying Zachariah, Zachariah Scott who just needs your support to get the ramen noodles. Um, if he doesn't get the ramen noodles, who will? Just remember, cue in the Sarah McLaughlin music. Zachariah Scott needs your help, folks. He's got a dirty face, a soulless ginger heart, and he needs to be fed. This demon must be fed. Now, he's gone on weeks just drinking water, but with just one dollar, you could buy at least three cups of ramen noodles. Poor guy has to survive. Let's all pitch in and do the right thing. Let's support Zachariah Scott in eating ramen noodles. And if you subscribe right now, Vinny Bucci will personally go to your house and give you a big hug, pick up the ramen noodles, and drop it off to a said Zachariah Scott. In the arms of the angels. We call feed Zachariah Scott for a one-time fee of 99 or just simply purchase the ramen noodles and Vinny will pick it up and give you a hug so we can feed our Zachariah Scott because everybody knows we can't put him down because it's illegal but we can't feed him shitty food absolutely and, um, and of course we have a lot of things we're going to talk about here on the show the first is um, as you guys know last week uh, speaking of Zach, we put out a special episode of the Boochcast entitled The Friend Zone, which, by the way, which for those of you who may not know, that was an episode that Zach and I did a long time ago. In fact, I believe it was November 30th of last year when we actually
actually sat down and recorded that episode, but I was waiting for the right time to put it out. I knew we had a format and stuff we wanted to do, and Zach, from time to time, likes to be here on the podcast, but I had to figure out the right place to uh, place the episode. And I figured, since Elvis went on vacation last week uh, for Memorial Day weekend, and we'll get to that in a minute, um, I figured this is the perfect opportunity to have some uh, a cameo appearance from Zach. So I took the Friend Zone episode, which took me forever to edit. It took an eternity because uh, Zach is basically learning his broadcasting skills, and I have already browbeated him about that, so I'm not going to do it here on the show. But uh, hopefully the next time he's on the show, uh, the projection will be better now that he'll know what to do. But So that was why we put the Friend Zone episode out. So uh, Elvis, uh, we understand you went to uh, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. How was it? That was pretty good. Um, I went there last Thursday. Or, I'm sorry, two weeks from now when we're listening to it. Went there on a Thursday night, got to uh, Myrtle Beach at around midnight because I drove straight from work. You know, we had everything ready to go. I had friends from Puerto Rico um, who came visited on Tuesday. They stayed the night for a couple nights, and then we drove over there. It was good, man. Went to the beach, uh, did the sights and sounds, went to restaurants, uh, the whole shindig, whatever. Went to the beach, um, played this cool game that um, I saw some people play the beach before. And what we did was um, <clears throat> went to the beach, and we got to do is you got to make like a little golf hole. Like, a, you know, a hole for golf. What we did is, like, we went, we got frisbees, we got a lot of stuff, whatever, but it was super windy. I'm like, ah, we can't really do frisbees. You can't really throw a football around because everybody throws a football around. I want to do something different. So we went to Walmart, got a whole bunch of food, got snacks, got beer, all the stuff, all the necessary elements we need. And then I decided to get, you know, I'm going to go buy a little box of golf balls. And what I did was, um, we had six, you know, it was like 12 balls all together. We just needed four for each team. What I did was, we made little golf balls 10 pieces, 10 paces away from each other, made a hole, and in the back, uh, we made like a little border or whatever. So it's kind of like, it, like imagine a concept of cornhole, where you're throwing the bags on top of the board, but instead, you're just trying to make the golf balls go inside the hole from one side to another. Now, sounds pretty easy, but it's not because of the wind, and plus, like golf balls, when it goes over like the, the sand dunes, you know, it makes it a little bit harder to make into the hole. So we made from um, some for pretty interesting games. Um, I think the game that I saw was called Title Ball. Now you could buy your own set, whatever. It's pretty cool. But we decided just to do our own. Uh, we got like 12 golf balls. We took a permanent marker. So um, six of the balls were just plain orange balls. And then the other six, we just made like we took a permanent marker and made like um, stripes on it. So you could play solids versus stripes type. Um, play that for a while. Went to the beach. Um, had plenty of fun. We did karaoke, um, which is always you know how it is karaoke man it's always gonna be a fun time um uh went to a couple irish pubs and get this so we were there from thursday to sunday because for some reason when my wife was setting up the um the places to go to myrtle beach we only set it up to sunday now mind you we're off monday as well so we're like oh man we gotta start an extra day do we come back home or do we do something else or get another hotel so then my sister says why don't we go to charleston charleston's really awesome and i've never been so sure enough, uh, uh, I think like two weeks before the trip, um, I booked a hotel for all of us um, to go to Myrtle, like to Charleston the next day. So Sunday morning, we leave, get our stuff together. We packed the night before, moved everything over to Charleston, did the sights and sounds, you know, went to an Irish pub out there as well. It seems like every time we go to town, we, we always sit up the Irish bars because they're always super fun. It always has like live music or something happens. Um, so yeah, it was a drunken stupor. Ever since I got back, I have not drinking a drop of alcohol. Um, it's Sunday when I'm recording this, so the whole time I've been back, so for a week straight, I have not drinking at all. <laughs> um, we drank a lot, so we just kind of wanted to sit back and not take a drop. I just wanted to give myself a 
week to recuperate. If I drank for a week, I at least wanted to give it, uh, you know, at least a couple of days for my liver to recover because, man, I was just in a drunken stupor. And I got, and I got caught up on sleep, too, which is necessary because the whole time I was there, I was one, always one of the first people to wake up and one of the last people to go to sleep. Um, so we didn't, I didn't get much sleep. The first two days, I may, I think I mean I got four hours of sleep the first two days. Um, so, yeah, I was exhausted. Damn. Well, it definitely yeah. sounds like you had a lot of fun in spite of all that. <laughs> Oh, no, we did. The first time, like, my sister, whenever we hang out, I'm going to be honest, my brother was there, too. It's like uh, me, my wife, uh, my friend Nestor and his girlfriend, um, my brother and his girlfriend, so my wife, I mean, my sister and her husband. So I went out, but, ever, but whenever me and my sister hang out and drink, we usually stay up, like, till late at night just talking and just, you know, like, you know how you and I get when we drink or whatever, or when I drink, we just sit there and just chat up for hours, and it's like, oh, my, look at the time. Um, it's the same scenario. We just sit there and just bullshit and make jokes and do whatever. Um, but, uh, yeah, time passes by. It's like, oh, my God, it's 4 o'clock in the morning. We should probably go to bed because everybody's going to wake up in two or three hours. And sure enough, they did. We wake up, like, a little bit of sleep, go to the, you know, we always have breakfast at restaurants, so we go to different, uh, first place, the first day, actually, no, we, we found one breakfast place that was the best, and we just decided to go there the whole time, because everything else was, like, a small little niche thing, whatever, but we just so happened to find the best, the best breakfast place in Myrtle Beach, and we went there consistently every day, and we had something different, so it was good stuff. Yeah, it definitely sounds like it was good stuff, man. I'm glad that you, uh, you know, had a blast in South Carolina. I'm glad you're back on the show, and, uh, um, it's definitely you know, been, I, know, you know. I, I would definitely say your show was lacking without me. I get it. Listen, <laughs> I know when you guys don't have me on here, you have my melodious voice that speaks so fast. You need a bouncing ball to, to follow along. But still, there's a there's there's like this big gaping hole in your show when I'm not on here. And I get it. I listen to your recap in AEW. And trust me, I know. Ladies and gentlemen, I have so much to apologize when I do my AEW recap. I didn't know we had Jim Cornette uh, reviewing AEW Double or Nothing or whatever. So um, I'm not sure what happened. Um, I'm not sure how we had the funds to get Jim Cornette in the voice of Vinny Bucci, but we did. So, um, ladies and gentlemen, I'm back. Um, uh, Elvis needs a much needed R and R. Yeah, I will say this though, um, and I, I know Elvis likes to, you know, make the Jim Cornette jokes, and I find them hilarious. I'm not offended, but Thank I will you. say, I appreciate it. I will say this though. In my defense, I do record my review before Jim comes out with his. Like Cornette will wait a week or a couple days or whatever. Uh, we got into this habit now, and Elvis, and this is by Elvis's doing that he wants to get things out as quick as possible. Now I've always been like that with pay per views, but the TVs kind of took a while. But I, so I put my stuff out before Cornette, and I'm telling you right now, it is parallel thinking. Between me and him. Now, granted, Cornette will take certain things to levels where even I'm like, okay, that's a bit much. But a lot of the stuff is like, holy shit, we're practically on the same wavelength. Like, it's literally, like, one day I started calling these guys, like, they look like competition cheerleaders. And then he started saying cheerleading, and I went, what the fuck? Like, it freaked me the fuck. There's times where Cornette will say shit that I've already said on the show. And our show, again, our show comes out before his, and that blows my fucking mind. Like, I have no idea we thought that much alike. But Cornette will take things to another level. So even I'm like, all right, dude, it wasn't that bad. It really was. Okay, I mean, like, to me, I mean, honestly, only because the only reason you're on the same wavelength, you guys are the same cold. You guys are drinking the same Kool-Aid. I get it. And, you know, thanks to the show and thanks to, I got to give props to Gator um, to this for kind of opening my mind on this one. Because um, I never really thought about the way he said it. When, when Gator said it, it hit, it hit me in the head. I'm like, you know what? Gator's right. And I'll tell you where he's right with this one. There's different styles of wrestling fans. 
Um, there is. Um, when it comes to new wrestling, old wrestling, and everything else. And, you know, it never really dawned on me. I guess my line of thinking, I was like, okay, well, my line of thinking is correct, and no one else is correct, you know? And that's a that's a really blockheaded way of thinking about things. So um, props to Gator for kind of opening my mind and showing me, no, there's a different there's different levels of wrestling fans or different styles, you know? I, I guess I enjoy the new style of wrestling. Don't get me wrong. The days of the past uh, with the old booking and the old wrestling and the way it used to be, it was glorious. It was in its time, but things have evolved, and I guess I kind of evolved with it too. And I'm not saying it's a bad thing or it's a good thing. Um, it's like neither nor. Um, for Gator, he's more of an old school wrestler, so his mentality when it comes to what a wrestling is supposed to be, the way it's supposed to be protected, when it comes to the characters, he has a whole different thing. And plus, he's one of the boys, so I can never get on that level where he's at. So he's a whole different kind of fan and a whole different kind of you know performer. So to me, you know, whenever he brought the concept that like you know some people enjoy the new style, some people do not, and like you're gonna be one or the other. Sometimes it's hard to have the hybrid like right in between, but at the same time, like for me, it's like okay, I can see what. Corny's talking about. I can see what Gator's talking about. I can see what Vinny's talking about. But at the same time, I am so defensive towards my new style of wrestling that I will fight. I will fight it with fire. You know. So for me, I want to. I want to protect what's mine or my belief when it comes to wrestling because wrestling is always going to be an ever-changing thing. And you guys have your old school views and a whole different things when it comes to it. And unfortunately, I know it's hard for you guys to concept it. It's the way wrestling is. We know what it was before, what it couldn't be, what, what it can be, and there's a lot of points to it. But Gator really hit it on, a, you know, really hit the head on a coffin saying you know i enjoy the old stuff the new stuff doesn't really do it for me and same thing with you too and then i didn't really realize that until he said it i'm like oh sh you know gator's got a lot of points when it comes to it so that's that's something i have to give props to because i never thought about you guys' perspective because only thinking about mine exactly i hear you i definitely hear you man and uh and he's, and he's right about that and absolutely you know, yeah and, there, and and the thing is even with double or nothing i there were certain matches i ripped to shreds but overall i enjoyed that pay-per-view very much like oh so did i i watched it on uh cody I had to back, backtrack and watch it because obviously i was gone in Merle beach so i couldn't watch you know and it, that's the weird thing too every time i go on vacation for these memorial day labor day stuff is when typically when aw does their pay-per-views so i miss them and if it's something between I, I catch them all the time when we do our review and everything else but i i went back and watched it and my god it was it was it really was good and i know you said you don't watch the pre-show um for it though but man i know Vinny doesn't do pre-shows i get it but you really did truly miss out on a great match uh between um you know again you know i'm not a fan of riho at all no. but serena deeb dude yes. serena deeb is a freaking beast yeah. and uh that pre-show was so great um i'm glad that um you know they beat the brakes off like see, i'm glad she beat the brakes off of riho because again i watched riho wrestle again and again i was not impressed and um i just i just could never be a fan of Riho I'm never going to be I'm not sure what appeal she has to um you know to the fans out there maybe because it's her glitzy style or maybe the way she comes in maybe it's her music I don't know what it is about her that people really gravitate towards her I just don't care for her I don't know what it is I just I don't know I don't know why I just can't get invested in that character maybe because she is too small or maybe she's not believable that could very well be it but sometimes I suspend my belief just to see what the bigger picture in a wrestler is but for some reason, I just cannot get behind Riho. And uh, I would definitely say for a pre-match, it was really good. So you did miss out. Um, that's that something you should go back and watch and say, oh, my God, Elvis was right. I mean, you can if you want to. But I would say for a pre-match, was pretty good. So um, that's all I want to talk about that because uh, I have a lot of apologies to do and a lot of clarifying to do when it comes to the AEW show. Yes. Uh...
I'm sure you do. And um, speaking of apologies, um, while El- while Elvis was off the show, and while we were pretty much, like I said, I replaced it with the the friend zone thing to kind of fill the void while I worked on everything else. There were three major things that happened in wrestling that I know for a fact I have been messaged about, I have been asked about, and you want to know where we stand on any of these. So okay. we're gonna tackle those three, and Let's because. Do it. What Elvis just said, I'm gonna. This wasn't the first thing on the list, but I'm gonna segue into it because it's perfect. Um, John Cena has been making the rounds in the news in the world of wrestling and the world of Hollywood, and everybody's weighed in on this. Everybody's talked about this, and it's John Cena apologizes to China for calling Taiwan a country. John Cena has apologized to China for calling Taiwan a country during a recent media interview to promote Fast and the Furious 9. The island is self-governed but China has claimed the territory despite this for over 70 years. China pushes back on international messaging that involves Taiwan being referred to as an independent country and John Cena is the latest to experience this. Cena did an interview with local media in Taiwan and mentioned that it will be the first country to see the film. Taiwan is the first country that can watch F9. Cena told the broadcaster in Mandarin. Today, Cena took to China's Weibo social media platform and delivered a message in Mandarin. He did not refer to Taiwan by name, but spoke about having done a lot of interviews and having made a mistake. I'm sorry for my mistake, Cena said. I must say now, it's very, 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 very important that I love and respect even more Chinese and the Chinese people. Several airlines recently changed how they refer to Taiwan as a flight destination route. This is in response to complaints by the Chinese government as well. Like other carriers, American Airlines is implementing changes to address China's request. Air travel is global business, and we abide by the rules in countries where we operate, American Airlines spokeswoman uh, Shanna Gilson told uh, CNN. CNN translated several comments from viewers on the Weibo platform responding to Cena's comments. Please say Taiwan is part of China in Chinese. Otherwise, we will not accept. One person wrote, I don't understand why the Chinese people should be so tolerant to him, who has a vague political stance while profiting from Chinese people. Another person wrote, and other people have weighed in on this. Some people are okay with him apologizing. Some people say he's uh, he's selling out. He's licking China's boots. He's There's just everybody. If we thought Cena was polarizing before, it got a million times more polarizing now. But apparently, uh, Cena, is, Cena, China thinks Cena's a dick for calling Taiwan a country. America thinks he's a dick for bowing down to China, as they say. Well, let's say this: I, I don't think he has to apologize, and that's what my that's my standpoint is. Now, he did just to be nice. Obviously, China, with all the millions of people, or yeah, millions of people that are over there, the reason why he had apologized because obviously, with all those people, they have all the money. They want to have F nine to be, you know, part of the franchise that makes it over there. So imagine like John Cena being the Mr. Hustle, loyalty, respect person that he is, made his way out of WWE to have an acting career. Now we all know he's going to be in Suicide Squad. He's in the F9 series now. He's like Dom, Dom's brother, whatever. So he's trying to break it on his own. So the fact that he's done so much to get out of the limelight of wrestling to become a legitimate star, um, and causing such issues. I mean, like this thing was hit worldwide. I don't believe he should apologize. I think he was just doing it to save face because, I mean, the guy's fucking spoken Mandarin, man. Like, this guy rehearsed everything he put on there. He rehearsed, he said what he said in a different language. He took the time to say it and enunciate. You know how hard it is to, 
Like, for instance, like, you know, a lot of people, like, in the Asian countries, like, almost use Chinese, Japanese, um, all these different dialects. It's so hard for them to speak English because the enunciations are really hard to pull off. And if you're not an American, if you didn't learn English growing up, you know, English is a very hard language to learn because of the half-assed backwards way to do things. To us, it's normal, but to them, it's really hard. They're actually smarter than us because they're actually taking a dialect. It's, it's imagine, imagine like you're reading something, and if it says this article is a term is about the term Taiwan, China, for the country commonly known as Taiwan. So we're reading it everything straightforward, but in a different language, it's like for instance Romanian or Spanish. You're reading it backwards. It, it doesn't make sense. But for them to learn that language, it's really hard. So John Cena took the time to learn this language, learn how to say this phonetically to make sure that there's no mis, you know, no, no mispronunciations or anything else. And listen, John Cena is, you know, he's a good actor. You know, he was an okay wrestler. He did fantastic. I had a lot of respect him towards the latter part of his run, not during like his hype. But nonetheless, that's that's a conversation or here or there. But my opinion is, he took the time to try to sit there and do something so nice, to say it in a language, try to sit there and do the right thing, and he flubbed up. And listen, we all flub up, and this is on a grand scale. He was just trying to sit there and do something right. So those are people who are like, oh, he sold out, like LeBron James and, you know, whatever. No, man, like, he, he doesn't want to have any disrespect. He, like, him being an ambassador, let's say he's an ambassador for the great United States of America. It's, what is it, applesauce? Um, what does John Cena say on the, the Late Show? It's like applesauce, American pie, and John Cena. Remember? He's like the flag bearer. He's, he's like the Hulk yeah. Hogan of our time, right? Well, so, yeah. I mean, well, I, well, you know I know, how I feel well, about I know, Hulk Hogan. I'm, I'm gonna cut you off. I was going to say, I know Jesse Ventura used to call it mom apple pie and the girl back home, but sorry. There you go. There you go. So, like, John Cena used the same term, but brought his name into it. So, he's like a flag-bearing flag American who represents all the ideals on, on paper, at least when it's produced in, in the PR section that he's an all-american true american guy so when he sat there and said these things he was it was it was he flubbed up and listen people flub up all the time i mean if i if i'm not right now on wikipedia learning the stuff about taiwan about the territories controlled by the prc or the roc you wouldn't know the thing is like there's so many different regions controlled by china who are not controlled by china it was a flubbing mistake i mean given he could have had better information from people from the country or everything else but he thought he was doing the right thing he flubbed up and he apologized and for the people who Oh, he just sold out. Well, yeah, you're going to sell out. You worked your whole life to get to the point you're at right now. You're on a cusp of being like, you know, in the terms of like The Rock. You know, The Rock first had some crappy movies. Well, he had like The Tooth Fairy and uh, he did that horrible movie called Doom, um, you know, and he had a whole bunch of stinkers, but eventually he started making some good ones. Um, and he trucked through. He had to deal with a line of bullshit. He had to deal with a whole bunch of crappy movies to get to where he's at. And The Rock was very calculated in every movie he made. At first, he just took whatever he can just to kind of show what he could do. But eventually, he started getting some good roles and got better and got better. And now, I mean, he's going to be the forefront for DC and a new revamp for DC. He's, he's, he's already ungodly. They're already talking about him becoming president. So he's done fantastic. John Cena's on the cusp of doing the same thing. And he flubbed it up. And he apologized. And that's it. It's like, Vinny, when I punched you in the face when we watch wrestling. Yes. Okay, when I punched you in the face by accident when I'm trying to give you a hug, I, at first I was like, I didn't offend you, or like, oh, I didn't punch you. You're like, no, I, you did. Here's the blood to show. It's like, oh shit, I apologize. What if people came up to me, it's like, Elvis, you shouldn't apologize. He deserves to be punched in the face because he likes John Cena. See, that's a stupid motive. I apologize because I generally felt bad. And then John Cena was probably generally felt bad because, first of all, he looked like a meathead. Um, he said some things that weren't correct. But the thing is, he didn't know. <laughs> 
So if you apologize profusely, not because he's bowing down to China, because not only that, though, imagine you're filing a movie of F9. It's going to be transported over to China, or to Taiwan for that matter, and now they're not going to show the movie because they call Taiwan their own independent country? Yeah, you would apologize too because you're putting a whole franchise out of commission for that one big area that produces a lot of fucking money. So, yeah, I would apologize too, like, holy shit, I fucked up bad. So, I, you know, I, I think wholeheartedly he wanted to apologize because it was the right thing to do. So yeah. if you mess up, it's good to apologize. If you just think like he's out there he's out there for the money, guess what folks? He is. Because you know what though? He's not doing this stuff for free. He's getting paid. So if you don't like it, then tough shit. Hit the bricks. I want to see you make a movie and flub up. I want to see what you would do in that situation. You just sit there stick to your guns and say, no, I'm not gonna bow down to China. No. If you're getting paid by the producers, by by the people making the money, you know, they're using your notoriety and you flub up big, you better apologize. Those studio people are gonna make you apologize, even if you don't want to. You're gonna have to, because guess who's paying their bills yeah the market of, Ch of china missing out on that big portion of money that can make your money they, they make your movie millions or maybe even billions i'm not gonna say this guy that far but let's say millions of dollars you have to pay the actors you gotta pay the studios you gotta, you gotta pay the strong hand the key grips you gotta pay all those people and missing that market is a big like i mean it's not just like a couple thousand dollars you're missing out on millions because china controls everything that goes in and out of china especially when it comes to movies exactly. so yeah you're gonna apologize so people need to get off their high horse and say they shouldn't apologize yeah when it comes to the mighty dollar hey all you people out there where do you work at if you messed up at something and you messed up with the customer, you have to apologize to them. If I did something at my job where I messed up royally, I have to apologize. I have to have to sit there and eat shit and sit there and apologize. Like, you know what, though? I messed up or I wasn't on top of this or I didn't do this. If you messed up, if you're a Home Depot and if you're angry and everything else and you've upset a customer, even though, Vinny, it's not your fault. How many times do you sit there and, like, you know, eat crow and say, you know what? I'm sorry. You know, I shouldn't have blown up on you or I shouldn't have my tone with you. You don't mean it, but you have to do it. It's your job. So if you're working, if you are working, you know you have to eat crow and do your job and apologize you don't have to say it you have to mean it just be like you know what i'm sorry and some people just generally feel bad you know what though i'm sorry but i'm sorry goes a long way so all these people who are about money and everything else if you have a job you will eat crow if you're independently owned like if you have your own company if you want to sit there and apologize apologize to somebody you'll probably get a better review but you don't have to apologize but you're still getting a negativity online so everything is scrutinized under a microscope when it comes to online, especially on a grander scale, like a movie star. So if all those people out there saying like, he shouldn't apologize, dude, go get a real job and then figure out how the you know real world really is. Cause you have to apologize. Yeah, although I will say technically, as far as like dealing with customers and stuff, I've never had to apologize to a customer. I have, however, had to apologize to like supervisors and stuff, like when they call me into the office later. So I've apologized to them for my behavior to keep my job, but I've never actually had to face to face apologize to a customer. And you, you would have known if I had, because you would have saw me doing something I rarely ever do, which was be at a bar getting shit faced, because I would have to drink myself into a $7 casket if I ever had to apologize to a customer. I would. Like, you would have to, it would be you driving me home for one. Is what I'm saying. But anyway, um, or following me home, whatever. The point is, um, what I want to say is that I've only I've only given like two apologies in my life where I didn't mean it, and one time was like Adult Swim. They made me up they they put me in the apology hot seat and I had to be there. And it was the most awkward thing in the world. Because I called someone a bitch who was acting like a bitch. And all of a sudden, the snowflakes came up in arms about how Vinny doesn't like and respect women. Because I called someone a bitch 
Who was acting like a bitch? If you act crazy and someone calls you crazy, how is it offensive? Like, it, was, it, it drove me fucking nuts, but they said I had to apologize, and I gave that apology, and dude, it was the fakest apology I ever fucking gave, and the only person I truly felt sorry to, and I found out later the girl I called a bitch was married to a guy who worked at Adult Swim. Nobody told me that shit. So, I later apologized to him, and that apology was genuine. But the one to her, I didn't, that, that was the, that was fucked up shit, man. That drove me insane. But I did it. I did it. Because I knew I had to keep that relationship with Adult Swim because I was still working with um, Daytime Fighting League. I still had that documentary coming out because I didn't know they were going to shelve it for 12 months. But, you know, it was it was insane. So I, I know exactly what that's like. And, of course, like even American Airlines has said that, you know, they respect the fact that that's what China wants to be called because they know that they're going to another country. So I understand, like, certain things like that. I, I will say, though, my only issue with John's apology was that... I felt like he could have chosen better words. Instead of saying, it's very, 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 very important. I love and respect Chinese people. You you, you could have put more in there. Like, hey, I, I thought it was a country. I messed up on that one. But instead of trying to make it seem like I really, really, really love China. I really, really, really love Chinese people. I don't know. Just just the wording was off. But I, I admire him for the apology. I'm not giving him shit over it. I just think he could have changed the wording a little bit. It, it sounded too desperate. It was like a guy begging his girlfriend to take him back. Yeah. Um, I don't know, man. I just think we're in that stupid... I don't care. I just think that he shouldn't wear it different. I think what he did was right. Um, yeah. You know, people to take arms to it, though, um, that's really on them. But I just think he did it to save face for the company he works for, for the movie production he put out there. And, um, yeah, I mean, he worked his whole life for it. Again, I'm, I'm not saying, you know... Um, I'm not saying anything other than what people should already know. If you, it's like you fuck around, find out type thing, whatever, right? You know, it's like if you fuck up, you're gonna find out what happens. The hypothesis, it's a scientific method. If you fuck up, which he did, find yeah. out what came about it. So the thing is, no matter which direction he took in that one, nothing would have become better. Or let me bring out different. If he did apologize, it would have been something. If he apologized, it would have been something. He can't make everybody happy. He can't sit there and you know. He can't sit there and make everybody happy. So he did what was right. I think what the studio may have told him. I think we just keep it inside that. That's it. Nothing more, nothing less. Yeah. Um, if people want to sit there and get up in arms about it, then let them. Because you know what, though? Once they write their post, their angry post and everything else, it's just that. If you take the mentality that whoever posts or dislikes something or puts their thumbs down or dislikes whatever is going on there, that's fine. It's going to stay on there. But it doesn't matter. Because the thing is, once that thread's done, they're going to move on to the next. He's, feel he's feeling some backlash. And just moving forward. Who cares? Because um, the thing is, they're mad about this right now because, you know, Trigger Happy Jack is going to get triggered over something that makes no bearing, no sense on anything. Then let Trigger Happy Jack be angry. Let them write their post. Then once that's done, they said, you know what, though? I was a hero today. Trigger Happy Jack wrote his thing on today. If you guys don't know what Trigger Happy Jack is, Trigger Happy Jack is who I call a person who just gets triggered for no reason. They just, they're just trigger happy. They just want to be angry about something, <laughs> say their two cents, and pretend like, you know, they're like the guardian saviors of everything that's moral in the world. And that person is the worst person to have in the world because they're not living real events. They're not living through anything. Their life is so meaningless. They have to be triggered by something to give himself some kind of relevance in this world. So trigger happy jacks in the world. You can sit there and you guys are trolls and you guys could get triggered by a whole bunch of different things. You guys should find a real life, go outside and do some menial work, do something to make yourself happy because 
your life is unexceptional. Like, there's no reason for you to be as angry or triggered in the world. There's so many other things that are deliberate. Like, if the worst thing in your world right now is John Cena apologizing to China, then you're in a world of hurt. There is a crisis when it comes to housing. There's, there's, a, there's a crisis when it comes to our meats being shut down because of um, hackers. You know, the gas thing that happened a couple weeks ago. The Senate's. I mean, if you were to focus your attention from everything that's going on in the political world, of all the nonsense, of all the things that's going on political-wise when it comes to our senators, I mean, lifers who live in our Senate, if you're breaking down state by state from Democrats to Republicans and really did your research and figured out what's truly wrong that's eating up, the, like the cancer that's eating up the White House right now, about the rules they're setting out there, the things they're doing inside the White House. If you focus all your attention, not on the fucking multimedia, not on the movies, not on these other YouTubers and everything else, if we didn't focus on all these stupid things and looked inward to our country, what's going on though, you'd be, I would applaud you for having this trigger happy jack and say we need to get all these people out. But no, you're diverting your attention towards celebrities who don't, it doesn't amount to shit. Why is John Cena upsetting you about what he said on a, on a press conference? Why aren't you getting up in arms about all these different politicians doing horrible things like i'll tell you what if you guys don't know where to start right now folks i'll start with mitch mcconnell do your research on him and tell me you're not going to sit there and want to kill the guy you want to go to kentucky and drive up there to his fucking house and deface it or take the man out that's just the the peak of what's going on but no 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 no. you rather focus on john cena because you're a fucking uh, uh you're a keyboard warrior right you're so tough with your words on there why don't you get tough about things that matter but no i'd rather sit there you know be pissed off trigger happy jack get a fucking life Exactly. You are nothing in this world. You are nothing in this world. All you are is just sitting there and getting pissed off and getting like, stirring a pot for no reason. And you might think it's funny that you sit there and tell your little inside jokes or want to sit there and get the people woke to your brilliance. But once you become brilliant and learn more about your country and see where the fuck's going on. Don't worry about China. Don't worry about John Cena. Why don't you worry about what's going on in our things? Change the world. Use your voice. Use your anger for something else and something that happens in pop culture. You fucking idiots. Absolutely. And um and of course, you know, you know, the whole Taiwan thing's ridiculous anyway because they apparently the definition of it it's a it's it is a country in East Asia, but it's also the Republic of China. So it's like it's it's kind of like a little bit of both in a way, but this does bring up one interesting question and it doesn't have to be a long answer or anything. I just I just want to ask you this because obviously, you know, Elvis, you've you've been to Puerto Rico many times and you have a wife that's Puerto Rican and everything. Um does Puerto Rico kind of fall into this same situation? Like it I know it's a US territory, but is Puerto Rico considered a country or is it considered just an unofficial thing about the United States? Like does Puerto they're, Rico kind of fall in that? Part of United States, but they're so based on what my wife has been telling me she says like they want to be their own independence <clears throat> like they're pretty much an island on their own literally but protected by the united states um so if anybody was to come out there and try to put missiles or battleships on there they are protected through us by us and everything else um they do kind of serve as their own but they do have ties to the united states like for instance they get the stimulus checks you know they are ones you know they get all this stuff too the united states has the beneficiaries without having without calling it a fucking state um, kind of the same way like Hawaii is a state of ours, but they're far away. They kind of govern themselves, but still fall within the guidelines of the United States. Puerto Rican kind of runs their own stuff. They're corrupt in their own way. Don't get me wrong. I mean, every place has got their own corruption and a whole bunch of different things. But they are pretty much, they pretty much adhere to United States rules pretty much, but govern themselves. 
um, because they have their own culture, they have their own lifestyle, they have their own way of living when it comes on there. Um, but God forbid someone's trying to go to Puerto Rico and try to fuck things up over there. Um, you know what that word, you know that saying I said it before, fuck up and find around, uh, fuck up and f find out? Yeah, I'd like to see anybody try to fuck with Puerto Rico. Um, yeah, because no one's going to fuck around with them. Because the thing is, if you think about it, Puerto Rico, if they was to fall in the hands of, let's say, like, you know, let's say we're at war with China or Russia or who, whatever uh, superpowers out there who wants to take over, how great if they took over that island? How, I mean, they could launch missiles from Puerto Rico to the United States easily. They could reach Miami in no time soon or even the eastern seaboard. I mean, Florida is not safe. Georgia's not safe. Carolina's not safe. The eastern seaboard on the bottom part, I mean, it's prime, it's prime real estate. You know, if anything, uh, United States keeps it there not only because they care about the uh, the, the people of Puerto Rico. I don't, I'm not too sure about that. But if anything, it's more like a strategic uh, map point um, if anything was to come by. So they know Hawaii is taken care of. Um, they know that, you know, Puerto Rico is taken care of. And there's little islands out there as well, too. So, um, but they're their own pretty much independent. Although subsidiary, I mean, they're part of the United States in a way, but they're not a state. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And obviously I'm not, that's not something I wanted to debate. I just wanted to clarify that because that was something I was thinking about during the whole uh, China, Taiwan thing. I was like, is Puerto Rico kind of like that? I just always wondered. So I figured you'd be the best answer. Now, obviously, you know, as Elvis has mentioned before, you know, if the woke people could put towards real life issues and I do have one I want to get to, but we're still on the subject of John Cena. So I'll do this one real quick. Then we'll get to the other one that I want to talk about. But um, John Cena is rumored for a headline match at SummerSlam. Uh, there has been some chatter within WWE about the current Universal Champion Roman Reigns possibly defending his title against John Cena in the main event of SummerSlam this year. WWE recently announced their return to touring for July. So in July, there's going to be fans back. They're going to be doing what, you know, AEW did recently. They're starting to get their um, feet back into the water. And the C-Nation leader's comeback has been in discussion for the company's first show, Back on the Road, which will be the July 16th episode of SmackDown from Houston, Texas. The Wrestling Observer Newsletter is now reporting that people within the promotion have talked about Reigns versus Cena as a top match for SummerSlam, though nobody has been able to confirm if this is the plan. On a related note, the Observer claims that despite their ongoing feud, there are currently no plans for Jimmy Uso to challenge for the Universal Championship at the upcoming Hell in a Cell pay-per-view, which will be on the 20th. There is no word yet on who could be Reigns' opponent for that pay-per-view, if not his cousin, though Paul Heyman recently teased Shinsuke Nakamura as a potential future opponent for the Tribal Chief. Guy help us all. John Cena has faced the current champion in one-on-one -on -one match before. The two squared off at the No Mercy pay-per-view in September 2017, and the big dog came out victorious in that bout. So, what do you think about a potential Roman Reigns versus John Cena rematch main event in the SummerSlam pay-per-view this year? Um, comment below, go to our social media, share your thoughts, but Elvis, I'm gonna turn it over to you. Cena, Reigns, Universal Title, SummerSlam. Um, I think it'll bring in a lot of viewers. I would definitely say that. Um, but I think we already know the outcome. Unless John Cena comes back for a lengthy run, we all know who's gonna weed a winner of that. But I think it's gonna be polarizing just for the fact that with Roman Reigns' fantastic character development as of right now, ahead of the table, John Cena thinks he's a scoop on in after being on hiatus for a while to come in and try to dethrone the king of the table or the head of the table. Um, <clears throat> I think it should be pretty polarizing. I think it will draw in a lot of people. Um, 
when it comes to that match. But at the same time, I think we all know what the end result is going to be like. Uh, Roman Reigns is going to retain. But I think it'd be really fun, too, because I think by that time, SummerSlam, if I'm not mistaken, it's actually to bring some people into the seats. Because AEW's been having full houses for the yeah. past couple weeks. So if we have, like, you know, a lot of people in the audience, let's say it's a full capacity, I mean, that place is going to be electric. So just for, just, I'd like to watch it just to see the people's reactions, because, God, it's going to be amazing. I mean, I haven't seen Cena in a ring for a long time, um, and it'd be really cool to see him actually wrestle in front of people and hearing that pop when he hears, like, the... You know, as soon as you hear that, he comes out and does a stupid little salute or whatever. Listen, I've always been a person who's been against John Cena. You know that. You and I, that's one of the reasons we've been friends for such a long time. Because you and I could always jibber-jabber back and forth about Cena. But obviously, we know how we feel about him now. It's going to be fun. So, we're not going to see Cena too much. So, if this is like a farewell, uh, farewell tour or makes a little pop whatever, I'm going to pop, and I'm going to be happy to see him. Um, I think against uh, heel Roman Reigns is going to be polarizing. I think it's going to be great for the product, putting some more eyes on it, because let's just face it, WWE in the past couple weeks, other than SmackDown itself, it's been really, it's been the shits. So it'll be really fun to watch how it transpires, and really I just want to see the people's reactions, and that's that's pretty much going to put some asses in the seats for sure. Absolutely, and apparently they've now moved it. It's going to be at Allegiant Stadium in Paradise, Nevada, which is outside Las Vegas. Um, and it's going to be on Saturday instead of Sunday, which I think is interesting. It's going to be a Saturday pay-per-view. And apparently there's a boxing match happening that same day. So a lot of people are concerned that WWE might not sell as many tickets because there's going to be a boxing event that same night. But I will say this. If Cena and Roman is the main event, that is a great way to outsell a boxing show. If you're going to go up against a boxing show, you would have to have Cena on that card, in my opinion. Because, again, I try no disrespect to the guys currently on there, but like I said, you got a lot of wrestlers, not a lot of stars. So you're going to need some stars to bring those people in. You're just going to have to. And I will say this. Um, I think if Cena and Roman are going to fight for the title, I strongly think Cena's going to take it. And I, and I can give you two reasons why. One, they're going to use that as, for, as a way for him to finally beat Ric Flair's record. And also because Roman has pretty much run through everybody on the roster. Yes, he's choked some people out. But he's done the choke out thing so many times that it's hard to say that it doesn't bury the other person. Because they've, they've done it too much. It's something you're supposed to do sporadically and only with certain people. But he's done it to everybody. So it doesn't, it doesn't help their character at all. So if Cena doesn't beat Roman Reigns, I don't know anybody else on that ro- on the SmackDown roster that can take it from him because he's beaten everybody. He he got rid of Daniel Bryan. He he beat they beat Edge in the most embarrassing WrestleMania main event I've ever I've seen in a long time. Uh, he just beat Cesaro. I I, I don't know who else. Like I, there's not a lot of big stars on SmackDown. Roman Reigns. It's like Roman, and that's it. Like, is Rollins gonna do it? I, I, he's the only other logical thing. Is if, if if not Cena, maybe Seth Rollins. But I don't know. Was, who else do you see on the SmackDown roster other than Cena that could beat him? Um, I know it's a long shot, but I want to say it anyway because he's on a hell of a run, and uh, they could build for something. I think that uh, they're building him up. I'm gonna say Big E. Um, I think it's his time. Um. They did the Kofi experiment for a while, which lasted for all of however long it was. Kofi Mania was pretty good. It was Inception, but eventually that fun had fell out. But uh, I think Big E could be in line for that. They build him correctly between now and then. I think Big E would be a fun champion. Roman Reigns is the head of the table, so you're right, though. He's going to hold on to the title. He's going to pulverize and 
bulldoze his way through the whole roster. By that time when John Cena comes back, he'll probably win the title, maybe have an open challenge, and he'll go through a couple people here and there, but I think Big E will probably be my person I would choose to take the title. I think it'd be great. And the thing is, when Roman Reigns does come back and try to go for the title, he has, he has to face against Big E. I think it'd be a good choice, in my opinion. Again, I'd love to have Cesaro take the title because I've always been a fan of that. But at the same time, Kevin Owens is another name. I know he lost, um, which in a horrible fashion because of the whole key thing, not setting up before 10 or whatever. That was a poorly timed thing. So if you're asking me two people that could win it, I'd either say Kevin Owens because the storyline between him and Cena would be so prolific because they have history in the past. So my two people would be Biggie or Kevin Owens once Kevin Owens finally gets that fire back and sees that John Cena wins it and it's going to light a fire and says, what, you? Anybody but you. So they're going to go back and like they could tell a story by just having recaps of, you know, Kevin Owens coming to the main roster as NXT champion and then beating John Cena the first night he was on there and then trekking through for a while and finally Kevin Owens gets his chance to not only beat Cena but beat him for the championship that he so certainly deserves because he should have won it through Roman but now he's got to go through one last obstacle which is John Cena and you know uh, Kevin Owens can sit there and just spit a narrative like I've always had to try fight there I've always had to do this but it seems like you're always my obstacle but this is the last time you're my last obstacle I can finally become champion I think it's going to be a good narrative I do too as long as they don't do the whole part-timer Hollywood thing because that's old oh I get it they can't they, yeah, they can't go that, that route with the promos you gotta you got, I like the way you're going like you've always been my obstacle you've always been in my way I like that story better you gotta tell a better story because you can't you can't use the Hollywood thing because Cena will eat you alive he's done it to everybody so you can't no, I get it I get it he can't go that route I but if Cena does beat Roman because... I would love to see Kevin take it from him if Roman beats Cena then Big E's gotta be the guy because Roman's run through everybody but I would be okay with Kevin winning it if Cena takes the title then he holds it for a little while and then I think and then we'll see maybe maybe before Survivor Series he drops the title that way they have a Raw versus Smackdown kind of thing unless they want to do Cena versus Lashley at Survivor Series which I'd be fine with that I think they're bringing in Brock Lesnar I've been hearing rumblings about bringing Lesnar back for that match like um Lashley versus Brock, which I think will be a big slapping meat fest, which is pretty cool. Yeah. So they're making you know Mr. Lashley to be this unbelievable character, which I love. It. I'm I'm so happy Lashley is champion. I know a lot of people will probably disagree with me. I love Lashley as champion. Um, he is so deserving of championship. I am so happy they finally put it. They pull the trigger with him. Don't get me wrong. Drew McIntyre is great, respectively. He is a great wrestler. I'm glad he had his time. He was champion what twice already in the past year. I believe he's such a prolific wrestler, but he does not need the title because he's over. He is the man. He is a top contender in, in that company. I think his stock has dropped a little bit recently, but not to a point where he's gonna be mid carder. I think he's still gonna be at top of the cards. But Lashley, man, he deserved it when he when they started the whole hurt business when MVP first came up to him the storyline that was derivative of what his current storyline was what what Lana before Miro left and all that was garbage and I think that MVP's guidance and I guess the whole revamping of the Lashley character has really changed and right now he's like this cocky he's got all the women he's coming out with beautiful women and champion and rightfully so this guy's worked so hard a lot of people aren't big fans of Lashley I'm not gonna say he's a great wrestler he's not but god he is just a big beefy boy and um he looks he, I mean if you were to put him on a poster with a champion 
championship, you're like, okay, this guy does look like he's a champion. So people who are not viewers would say, okay, I understand why this guy's a champion. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we can, and I think, because uh, I know Lashley and Lesnar is set for SummerSlam, uh, is, is the rumor. So I don't know what's going to happen with Survivor Series. Assuming Lashley beats Lesnar, which I think should happen, I don't think Brock should take the title. But um, I would love I don't to think see. Brock should, Brock should either, but the thing is, well, here's the situation with Lashley being the heel that he is. I think. I can't believe I'm going to say it because I was such a big proponent against Brock Lesnar. A welcome Brock Lesnar will be welcome only because they want it. They're they're going to make Brock a face, which is going to be weird. But he is going to be a face when it comes to this. Uh, when he does come out, maybe he doesn't come in under the tutelage of Paul Heyman because Paul Heyman, whenever he aligns himself with anybody, wants to have that heat, right? But I think when Brock Lesnar comes back, he sees Heyman being like um, being like the manager of Roman Reigns, which he'll take offense to because, as you all know, the history between Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns, they can make narrative like, okay, you want to sit there line yourself with that guy? No, I'm in for business for myself ominous for myself so he'll be like the anti-hero which nobody anticipated they bring back brock lesnar they can make him the anti-hero which is kind of weird but at the same time will be such a welcome format if roman reigns can change his alignment from being a, a constant face to being the head of the table this menacing heel character imagine brock lesnar come back as an anti-hero slash face it would revamp his character altogether and he can still do the same things but the thing is now when he does his german suplexes again it will be praised and it will be you know it'll be cheered for as opposed to just being same old shit same old shit a suplex city would be a lot more better and if he was to take the title from uh lashley it would bring more eyes to wwe and then watch it must see tv again because right now raw is in the stinker is is like in the pits right now it's not because of lashley just because of the rate the, the lazy writing that three-hour show <laughs> It'll be a welcome sight for Brock Lesnar to come back as an anti-hero slash face. And him coming by himself would be perfect. Yes, and I know, um, and I know, uh, Elvis uh, made this reference earlier, but based on what he just said, I have to use a Jim Cornette phrase here: lazy booking. Sorry, I was going to say it's that. Exactly what it is too, and it, 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 it's really, and it really sucks too, especially with the fallout with all these new wrestlers who just got let go, which I'm pretty sure we'll get to later on. Yes, there's a lot of lazy booking, and um, I want to throw something out there for all you fans out there. I'm not sure you've been noticing the trend lately we lost like tom phillips we lost braun Strowman, we lost oscar black um uh we lost uh buddy murphy um you know we lost a lot of great superstars just a couple we, of days ago lana and ruby riot um, so, and santana garrett ruby riot exactly so we lost a lot of these, these people now i know tony khan is salivating right now he's like oh my god oh my god i have another show starting in august uh, the pay-per-view starts and like by the time you listen to this they're gonna have their pay-per-view when those that 90-day compete cause is over so they could very well jump over which we'll do our predictions who goes where and why and how um but um i think wwe and you're here straight for me first folks i think wwe is being primed to be sold i know we talked about this when i was on the phone call uh with you a couple days ago based on the recent things they're they're trimming the fats uh, remember, Vince McMahon was hoarding all this talent to keep it away from AEW. AEW starting a sh second show, they're going to need more talent, more titles, which eventually will come due. It will happen. I think WWE is poised to sell the WWE. To who and why and how, I don't know. Could you imagine if WWE is to be sold? What's going to happen? Does that mean AEW will be the number one wrestling promotion in the world? That'd be really weird because... 
they're not going to be number one because of circle. They're not going to be number one because they beat WWE because they sold. That'd be so weird. I wouldn't know how to handle that. Would you know how to handle that? Like, could you imagine a wrestling world where WWE, where um, Paul Levesque or Stephanie McMahon or Vince McMahon is no longer in charge of WWE? How would how would the world react to that? No more WWE. All these years, the WWE library sold to a NBC or a Peacock, whatever, and wrestling's not run by the McMahons. That's weird. That would be scary. I would genuinely be scared about that. And because here's the thing, and when WCW right around when WCW went under, um, it was when uh, Time Warner merged with AOL, and um, and a certain individual who we're gonna be talking about him on the show as well. That's another thing y'all have been wanting to ask me about. He was the one that told me. Um, he he told me that that merger caused the end of WCW, and the reason was because the guys who work in those corporate offices don't give a shit about wrestling. Like Ted Turner, he cared. Ted Turner loves wrestling, loves him, loved wrestling. He wanted to be in the wrestling business. He might not have necessarily knew about booking or writing or anything like that, but he loved it enough to where I'm like, okay. I own this company here. I'm going to get the best people to run it for me. And I'm going to make a ton of money with this company. And he did. He put the best people in charge and they drew money for Turner. AOL didn't care that much because corporations don't care. Even Hogan, who I know you don't like, but he gave the best comparison. He said if he wanted to get uh, a hold of somebody from Turner Broadcasting, like AOL or Turner, after, if he called after 5 o'clock, nobody would pick up the phone. But if he had an idea in WWE, he could call Vince at 3 in the morning, and they would stay up and talk wrestling. Vince lives this business. Lives it. That's why he doesn't want to let it go, even though people say he should. That's why a lot of people believe he's going to die in the chair. <laughs> and whether Shane takes it over, or Triple H takes it over, or Stephanie takes it over, uh, remains to be seen. But Vince is one of those guys that is dedicated to this. And you can tell when you see him on, on camera, he's got to have like tons of makeup because the bags under his eyes are fucking like, it's not even bags, it's freaking luggage. Like, dude, it's like insane. The guy, the guy rarely ever sleeps. It's like it, it, you got, and he has that dedication. So I would be intrigued to see how WWE would be run by someone who doesn't have that kind of hustle. Because I don't see a lot of corporate people with that kind of hustle. So that's what I think would be the most intriguing and the most insane. Yeah, I mean, it's just the way it's going. That's the way it's poised. I just, I would just, um, I think it's gonna be weird to see. WWE not being exist anymore, and it's going to take place. But we have to wait. We'll wait and see what happens. Um, nonetheless, it's uh, it's a weird thing to say, but we'll have to wait. In the meantime, if you're watching WWE, enjoy it for while you have it, because the way we see it right now might change forever. Might be for might be for better. Might be for good. I don't know. Yeah. But we still have to wait and see what's going on with it. So. Yeah, and as far as the releases go, we'll just stay on this topic and then move to the next one. Um, like Braun Strowman. I like Braun. I was a fan. I think that as Universal Champion, he did not do very well. And people can say part of that is booking, but also because I felt that putting the title on him was a bad idea. He took the belt from Goldberg in front of nobody. And... He was given storyline after storyline. They had nobody credible to put him in the ring with. It's like they were they were better off just letting Goldberg beat him, have Goldberg sit at home, and then finally when they started doing the Thunderdome, have the match with him and Roman, and have Roman take it from him. Because I felt like it killed everything. Like Braun was given the opportunity to be a champion, and even and his promos weren't great. They were decent at best, and he just he 
He wasn't producing, man. Like, I mean, he, he did he did the best he could, but just there was nothing to get out of him, really. Plus, there were rumors about him having a bad attitude backstage, and now people are wondering, like, is he even going to be in the business anymore? Because he's this is a guy who's gone on record and said the day he no longer works for WWE is the day he's out of the business. So would he even go to AEW? Would he even go to Ring of Honor or Impact? If he went to AEW, it's definitely going to be for the money. I don't see And it's not because he doesn't love wrestling. I think it's because he only loves WWE. Yeah, that's... um. <sighs> wrestling this stupid thing we love why i don't know i know we talked about it many many times before but geez louise why do we love this thing it's yeah. crazy i don't know where, where do you think braun's gonna go on Strowman, where i think he's gonna go well um i think braun's gonna take some time off i think it's well deserved he's done he's a wwe guy he truly is he was pretty much built up from the ground up to be a wwe cookie cutter wrestler when it comes to it I would I wouldn't mind seeing him in any of promotions, maybe change himself around. I don't know AEW is gonna be the fit for him. He's a big dude and man, he would have generated a lot of eyes and everything else. I don't see him in AEW. I'd like to see him there to see what he can do with it, but I mean he's such a big name. I don't know if AEW is gonna be the fit for him because it'd be such a different change. Cause if you were for instance, let's say you worked at a job and they touch they taught you how to do so let's say you work Home Depot, right? You work Home Depot, they teach you the way Home Depot does it from the ground up. And then you go to Lowe's, but you know they're a little bit different. Like their culture's different, the way they do things are different. Yeah. It's really hard. It's really hard to transition into that. So where Home Depot tells you what to say, okay, make sure you tell them about our Home Depot rewards card and everything else. And going somewhere else. I'm not saying he can't learn it, but to sit there, I'm not sure if he can sit there and freestyle because you know you have independent. To say, you could pretty much say what you want to say in AEW. You write your own scripts, you write your own storylines, you make your own character. I don't know if he could transition to making his own character. Maybe, maybe with some help from Mark Henry or um, from R. Anderson or for some other veterans out there. I think Braun is probably better off going maybe to New Japan or something. I think New Japan will probably mean, probably mean a lot more because. Imagine going to Japan and having this big menacing person, and um, I think he'd do well there, maybe. I don't know. I'd like to see him in New Japan, to tell you the truth, as this big conquering monster, and everybody looks up to him as like, whoa, this is the mountain we have to climb. Um, you have to have some skilled, prolific wrestlers try to take him out and try to learn his weaknesses, but at the same time, he come in and bulldoze the competition for his foreseeable future. And I think time away from the Western part of wrestling would actually gravitate him to become his own character, to, to figure out who he is, what he is, and what he can do. And let's say he was going to New Japan, learn his ways, find out who he is, and find himself. That's the typical what it is. When you leave a, 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 a cookie-cutter machine such as WWE, I think you have to venture out to newer pastures, not just AEW, because AEW is going to be like a, a toned-down WWE, but having their own thing. But I think if he was to go to New Japan, reinvent himself, learn what he's all about, and find himself, then come back to the western part of wrestling, it'll do numbers for him, I think. So AEW, I think, out of the question, I think he'd do better in New Japan at first to kind of find himself and get lost and then find himself. That's my opinion. Well, I feel that exact same way, but about this next guy, uh, Aleister Black. I feel like um, Aleister Black was, in my opinion, he was pretty much done after last year's Money in the Bank. That was it. When they, and I'm going to say it again, it's going to annoy y'all, but I'm going to say it. The motherfucker was thrown off the roof of a 10-story building and showed up the next night in a tag match with another guy that was thrown off the roof of a 10-story building. Then he has an injury with his eye comes back from that injury and they try to turn him heel like and not only was the booking and the gimmick bad but Alistair Black had no idea how, I don't I don't think Alistair Black is capable of being a heel I don't think he has the talent to do that I think he's way too badass to be a heel I know it sounds weird but I don't see 
There's certain people that you try to make them heels and they're just not good at it. Black is one of those people. He was better off as a babyface. He was better off as a guy who just fights and kicks ass and all that. But his gimmick had a shelf life and I don't think you were going to get anything more out of him. I think they got everything they can get. So um, I, I, I don't know where he can go. Um, my guess would probably be Ring of Honor with his skills. But I think he needs to he needs to reinvent himself, most definitely. I mean, I don't know about that. I'll, I'll, I'll take the other side. I'll take the IWC side of things. Um, I think if Aleister Black was to go to any promotion, I mean, I'd love to see him in New Japan. I think he'd be great over there. I think he would really be – I think he'd be a great asset to New Japan. But I think that if he was to go anywhere – Anywhere, and I mean anywhere. If he was to go to the Indies, if he was to go to Ring of Honor, if he was to go to a um, AEW or Impact, he would be a world champion anywhere he goes. Because I don't think that he was like, able to shine. And you're right, as soon as he made it, made it hit the main roster, it was cool at first, and then they just, I'm sorry, we got nothing for you. I'm sorry, uh, Crave got, Crave's got nothing for you. Throwing a whole bunch of tag matches, you know, they made him like his his entrance was the coolest thing about him, and as soon as he hit the ring, he was directionless, you know? So I believe that if he was to hit AEW, man, he'd be awesome. If he was to hit Impact, he'd be amazing. New Japan would be interesting, though. So seeing a Braun Strowman and Aleister Black show up in um, New Japan, I think it'd be great. But again, if he goes anywhere, that guy's is money because he did his time in the indies he's got a well he's world renowned so if he was to go to new japan i think he'd be great there especially with the super cup and all that and wrestle kingdom and all that with the tournaments he go out there i think he'd really knock out of the park given some time some revamping but same time still keep his mixed martial arts kind of background i think it'd be pretty cool so no alistair black i don't see that being a problem he could go anywhere braun Strowman, he'd probably need a little bit of time to get acquainted to where he has to go to but alistair black could literally fit in, in any system and pick it up and make himself bigger than what he is in WWE, in my personal opinion. All right. I definitely think he'd do well in Japan. Uh, I don't know how Braun would do in New Japan, but I definitely think Alistair, that would be a place for him to go. But um, And then, of course, there's Lana. Um, this was a long time coming. Although I will say this, I do think Lana is a better worker, not wrestler, worker than people gave her credit for. Because the first time she debuted in a match, I thought she did great. And then for some reason, they just stopped putting her in the ring. And I was like, that, that debut match was great. Like it it exceeded my expectations because everyone thought she was gonna bot she was gonna it was gonna be it was gonna be the focal point of botchamania. But it ended up being fucking epic. Like great match, like by high standards. So I thought Lana just once she worked on her in-ring skills, she was okay. I just thought her gimmicks were her, her gimmick was dumb. I don't like the Instagram or the boat thing they were doing with Natalia I thought was flat. They tried to put her in a tag team with Naomi. I thought that lowered Naomi down. Just Lana at some point lost her value. And I think it was when she started doing the whole her and Rusev were a package deal. And the second you broke them up, it didn't make sense. It was like it was like that moment in WCW when Randy Savage and Elizabeth broke up and Elizabeth was walking to the ring with Ric Flair. It's like why? Why, why? That makes no sense at all. This was dumb. This was dumb. And didn't make a lick of sense. And it ended quickly. But Alana, uh, she's definitely going to AEW if for no other reason than the fact that Miro's there. Now, whether they pair them back up again, I hope they don't. Remains to be seen, but I don't know. I, I, Lana, I don't know if they're going to put her in the ring or if they're going to make her like a backstage interviewer or something. I don't know what they do, but I think Lana, just because her husband, is AEW bound. I, I agree. Um, uh, I think Lana kind of got herself a hot water with posting stuff online and doing all these different, um, you know, doing stuff on Instagram and doing like these third party type things, whatever, which got in a lot of trouble. And, you know, with WWE being such, 
sticklers about third party stuff like getting permissions like she was doing something for like an energy drink she's doing stuff for only fans and she's doing all these different things and you know they got in hot water and they did, all, did away with all that stuff so she did get she really got screwed over a lot so yeah i do see her with miro eventually i hope it doesn't become like one of those things where like there she's a manager because miro does not need a manager maybe some like just be a husband and wife kind of like a kip sabian and um uh miss ford but not to the same extent miro could do well by himself without them so yeah i'm just gonna base it off that so who's the next person on our list ruby riot um i have no idea where she's gonna go i thought this was a dumb release i think ruby riot is incredibly talented and absolutely the fact that wwe did nothing with her is ridiculous to me especially when her and Liv morgan got back together the riot squad they did a hell of a great job she was amazing in nxt i'm surprised she never got a run with the belt and, you know, they, I'm not saying she should have been a Raw Women's Champion, but if you gave her a little bit of time, or if you, now if you had sent her to SmackDown, 100% she could have won the SmackDown Women's title. But on Raw, she would have needed more time, which I get, because you got a lot of heavy hitters up there. But there's just so much they could have done. Now, as far as where Ruby could go, um, I definitely think Impact would be the place for her to go. Um, because Ring of Honor does some things with women, but not a lot. Japan, same thing. Um, I don't, I don't want Ruby to get caught up in the strong style bullshit. Um, AEW, her star power would get her there, but the way, but I feel like she would get lost in the sauce. They would, they wouldn't know what to do with her. So I think I, Impact I, would be the I safe place for her to go. I have to disagree with you on that one, <clears throat> I'm, and I'm gonna completely disagree with you with that one. Um, I think that the women's roster we have in AW, um, it's going to have to get bigger uh, because of the second show on there. And Ruby Riot is tried and tested. Um, she just make her name on WWE. She was a big name in the indies. So all of her friends are at AW, all friends wrestling, like you would call it. So I think she'd be a great grade for AEW because, God, the women's division. I don't know, Britt Baker's come a long way. She is going to be one of the starting people on there. But Red Velvet, not so much. Um, Jade Cargill, not so much. Um, Penelope Ford, not so much. So there's a lot of lacking talent, though. Most of them are just lookers, not really wrestlers. Um, we have the pleasure of sometimes having Serena Deeb on the match. Sometimes we have uh, Thunder Rosa. Um, you know, I think that Ruby Riot has a future, even in NWA. But if she comes to AEW, it'll be a welcome sight because we need those kind of caliber of wrestlers on there. So. And then, of course, uh, next was Buddy Murphy. Um... I'm. I have no idea what was going on with him. Like one minute he's in a storyline with Seth Rollins and Rey Mysterio. He wins the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. Then he did something with the Women's Royal Rumble match in January. I forget what that was, but I know I, I believe it must have been awkward or something. And to top it all off, he had a whole thing going on where he was dating Rey Mysterio's daughter, and they just got rid of that quick, fast, and in a hurry. Like that didn't make any sense to me. And it's like, the thing about Murphy is he's actually talented in the ring. He is. Like, and I think that's the biggest problem. So I think that Murphy's been involved in so much uh, gimmick crap. I would, if I was him, I would go to ROH and establish yourself again as a wrestler. And then once, you, once you've established and reminded the audience, hey, I am a great wrestler and I can get in the ring with the best of them, then start to create a brand new gimmick and try to find a way to make that work. Right, but I would do that before I would even touch AEW. Is you need to, he definitely needs to reinvent himself on some level so that way he comes in looking like a million dollars instead of just a hundred grand. There you go. I believe it. I mean, I, I, I wholeheartedly agree with that one. That's a good assessment. Yes. And then finally there's Santana Garrett. 
This is the one re- out of all the releases. This is the only one that didn't shock me because I lo- I like Santana Garrett, but she was not having good matches in the ring. She was rarely used on TV. This is like the one release where unless your name is Santana Garrett, you should not be bitching about this because again, I didn't hate Santana Garrett. I wanted to see a lot from her because I've seen her wrestle on the indies a couple of times. I think the first UCW show I was ever on, she was there. So I know she can work. So I know that she's got the skills. She just never really showcased them properly. And I think she, I would say Impact or AEW, but only because those are the only ones that really feature women. Or best case, maybe the NWA. I'd say NWA would be my pick, to tell you the truth. I think she more fits that narrative, to tell you yeah. the truth. Most definitely. And uh, so, and on that note, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we got one, uh, we got one non-wrestling related thing to talk about. Then we got to go back to one more because depending on the time we have, we may or may not close with this. I know a lot of people have been dying to hear this other one, but uh, El was talking before about, uh, you know, people who are woke should focus on other things besides, uh, you know, movies and celebrities and stuff. So here's an interesting topic here. Uh, white farmers sue U.S. government over stimulus for socially disadvantaged farmers. Um, a group of American farmers, all of them white, is suing the government for race-based discrimination, alleging that the U.S. Department of Agriculture's loan forgiveness program for farmers of color is a violation under the Constitution. All of my clients just want to be treated equally. Daniel Lennington, deputy counsel and lead attorney for the lawsuit, told Yahoo Finance, they are not looking for any special treatment. If there is a loan forgiveness program, they want it to be open to everyone regardless of race. And if the USDA would like to formulate the loan forgiveness program to help farmers who have a particular need, my clients would be all in favor of that. The program, which allocated roughly $4 billion for socially disadvantaged farmers, ranchers, or forest landowners, is part of a larger stimulus bill signed into law amid the coronavirus pandemic. Socially disadvantaged in this case is defined as relating to groups subjected to racial or ethnic prejudice because of their identity as members of a group without regard to their individual qualities. Agricultural Secretary Dom... Tom, sorry, Vilsack, previously stated that Biden administration policies aim to root out whatever systemic racism and barriers may exist at the Department of Agriculture directed to black farmers, socially disadvantaged farmers, and people who live in persistently poor areas of rural America. Eligible farmers would see up to 120% of their outstanding debts paid off as a result of the American Rescue Plan, with the extra 20% going toward taxes associated with the outstanding debt. An additional $1.01 billion in the bill will be provided for outreach, training, education, technical assistance, grants, and loans, and funding for improving land access. Lennington asserted that the plaintiffs are all for USDA fixing its past racism with programs that are targeted to the victims of that racism. We would love for USDA to go out and find those farmers it discriminated against, and even their children, and make it up to them. But this law is specifically not targeted to the victims of race discrimination. The lawsuit argues that the Constitution forbids discrimination by the federal government against any citizen because of his race. Therefore, according to the plaintiffs, any race-based classifications must be subjected to the most rigid scrutiny. John Boyd, president of the National Black Farmers Association, told Yahoo Finance that the law suit shows the troubling pattern and it looks like we're going back in time in history where they just don't want blacks to have anything and be willing to be treated with dignity and respect that's it eight out of ten blacks in the state of texas who applied for federal aid were denied boy boyd stressed that black farmers were facing problems related to discrimination and lack of government support long before the pandemic i've been trying to get debt relief for blacks and other farmers of color for over 30 years he said there wasn't a new request at all when i first heard about the new lawsuit i immediately thought about history where blacks were enslaved 
Native Americans lost all their land at the great of many white men. There were nearly 1 million black farmers in 1920, the most ever. As of April 2019, there are roughly 45,000 black farmers, which account for 1.3% of the population, The Guardian reported. Those farmers own just 0.52% of farmland in the country, while making less than 40,000 a year, compared to white farmers who make over 190,000 annually. The Agricultural Commissioner for the state of Texas, Sid Miller, also filed a lawsuit against the stimulus program for farmers of color, calling it unconstitutional. Asked about Miller's lawsuit, Boyd noted that 8 out of 10 blacks in the state of Texas who apply for federal labor were denied, so instead of filing a suit to complain for white farmers, why isn't he doing something to help black farmers in his very own state obtain access to credit that USDA and other state agencies where he could be more helpful to farmers of color there? There's a lot of hardship in the farming community. Farmers across the country were struggling amid the Trump administration's trade war with China, a top importer of American agricultural products, and then saw prices plummet in 2020 due to lack of demand amid the coronavirus pandemic. The Trump administration created the Marketing Facilitation Program, MFP, to offset the effects of the trade war, directing about $24 billion to American farmers. But 99.5% of the initial payments went to white farmers. In 2020, the USDA established a coronavirus Food Assistance Program, CFAP, to provide billions in financial aid to farmers impacted by the coronavirus pandemic. The Environmental Working Group, EWG, found that as of October 2020, nearly 97% of the $9.2 billion in CFAP aid that had been distributed went to white farmers. Furthermore, white farmers received on average eight times more aid, $3,398, than the average black farmer, $422. Going to Lennington, all of his clients have been hurt very hard by the pandemic. Additionally, he said more than 50 farmers from around the country who've also suffered through the pandemic are interested in joining the lawsuit. Adam Faust, our lead plaintiff, had to reduce the supply of milk that he had because the prices of milk crashed when the pandemic struck, Lennington said. I've talked to other clients who have experienced a very high fuel price fuel prices and fertilizer prices. Other clients have talked about how the price of ranching land has gone up. Meat processing plants were also ravaged by COVID-19, creating a major supply chain disruption for hog farmers. As of February 2020, at least 250 workers died from the virus, while more than 50,000 have been infected. ProPublica reported the number of cases forced many meat packing facilities to close down temporarily, which created a major financial blow for meat producers. I've talked to a client who has hogs, and they had to euthanize several hundred hogs in one day because the price of pork fell dramatically when COVID struck, Lennington said. A lot of the pork processing plants had to shut down because the factory workers got COVID. Another issue that the pandemic created, Lennington said, is a labor shortage in the agriculture sector. They're having trouble finding workers, he said. The price of labor is going up. Although you might look at the commodity prices and see they're going up and think it's a good time to be a farmer. You also have to look at all of the inputs. So it's very narrow profit margins on each acre of land right now. Overall, according to Lennington, the farmers bringing the lawsuit went to be able want to be able to apply for the stimulus. Our clients are simple farmers who want to be treated equally. He said they do not want special treatment. They do not want they, they do not they do not want special treatment. They want to be able to apply for a program that anybody else can apply for, and if they qualify, they would like a benefit. If they don't qualify, they would not be disappointed. But the qualification can't be based on race. Wow, that was a mouthful, buddy. Oh, it was. <laughs> Jesus. How'd you get that storyline? Um, I clicked on Yahoo, and as always, this article came up, and I thought it was interesting. Yo. Oh, boy. So, I want to see how the NCAA or 
NAACP has not actually got into that. That's weird. Um, I don't know how they're not getting those loans on there. Uh, I want to see how they come up with those results on there. I mean, if it's something that's a fair injustice, I mean, that's something definitely worth looking into. But with that said, who did they go after? To I mean, that guy said that he was trying to get a loan for 30 freaking years. That's insane. Imagine you're doing your job, you're a farmer. And the thing is, I could not do a job of a farmer. Because that's just, I could not do that job. That's just too much. Um, how does one get it? I mean, I don't know, man. It's crazy. Um, if there's a gross injustice coming out there, who do they go after? Who are the representatives you got to talk to? Is it someone from the banking committees? Is it someone from your state legislation? What do you do? Who do you do? Who do you talk to about that? I mean, the only thing I know about this is from the when I, I used to wa I watched a show called The Ranch on Netflix, and that's the extent to what I know about any of this. <laughs> that's that's all my knowledge on farmers is things I've seen in movies. I've maybe been to a farm a couple of times in my life, um, or at least like big major like agriculture farms. I've been on like you know small farms and things like that. Um, in fact, the guy who um, uh, co-directed my uh, doc my documentary, my docu series, uh, he lives in Colorado now. Uh, he used to have a farm in Fayetteville, and you know that's. He, I, I got to see it all. It looked really, really cool. I think he, I think he has a farm now out in Colorado, but it's not like a major farm. It's just like a place where he has like a bunch of animals that he feeds and stuff. He doesn't really like do anything crazy with it. But if you watch the Eleven Alive um, newscast they did on me, we filmed it at the farm. We were at the farm when we shot when I shot that stuff with Joe Flo when he came by and interviewed me for Eleven Alive. But but I do know that I'm kind of what is interesting about this is I kind of see both sides of this story. I really do. Like, obviously, you know, the, the, the white farmers that want to be part of the stimulus, they're saying, like, look, if we qualify, we qualify. If we don't, we don't. We just want a fair shot at this. So I don't see anything wrong with what he's saying. At the same time, this guy has been trying to get debt relief for over 30 years. So in my opinion, just based on that alone, I can't speak for the other black farmers, but I'll say this guy right here, Boyd, he needs to go straight to the front of the line. John Boyd goes to the front of the line, not because he's black, but because he's been struggling to get debt for over 30 years. I'm like, all right, that, that puts you up front. And then anybody black or white after that that wants to get something should. But John Boyd goes straight to the front of the line. In my opinion. Absolutely. Because, and again, it is not because he's black. It's because he's been waiting for debt for over 30 years. Like. That's crazy. 30 years, man. I would just, yeah, I would just give up farming and became a hand model or something. I don't know. That's crazy. <laughs> but it sucks. It sucks. But, um, hey, listen, man. Um, we got one more segment, and then this is going to be my segments. We usually either do two things. We do a tarot reading or we do a horoscope. And yeah. um, well, I flip well, the coin in my head. Before we get to that, we got and, one uh, more story. Gonna... All right, go ahead. Yeah, we got to do one more story. And that's because people have been waiting to talk about this. I saved it for last. Then we'll do the horoscope. And that is um, my good buddy, Buff Bagwell, uh, uh -oh. was arrested for DUI and multiple other offenses. Uh, as you guys know, oh Marcus Buff Alexander Bagwell was arrested in Georgia on May 22nd uh, for oh, wait, multiple— you're not saying it right. You're supposed to say my client, Buff Bagwell. Yes, uh, my client— <laughs> Marcus Buff Alexander Bagwell has been was arrested in Georgia on May 22nd for multiple driving related offenses. Bagwell was charged with a slew of offenses. On, well, a slew of offenses. These included DUI, hit and run, giving false info to a police officer, and reckless driving. According to the Georgia Gazette, Gazette, uh, he was charged with driving under the influence of drugs, failure to yield when entering an intersection, following too closely, hit and run, driver duty of driver to stop at all, return to the scene of an accident, duty upon striking a fixed object, reckless driving, driving within a gore or median or emergency lane, giving false name, address, or birthday to a law enforcement officer, 
and licensed to be carried and exhibited on demand. So these are all misdemeanor charges. These are what he was charged with. He was arrested in Cobb County, Georgia, a town with a long history of law and order and professional wrestling. Because everybody's been making big boss man jokes ever since. Uh, according to PW Insider, he was released on bail yesterday. Yeah, or not yesterday, but that night. Like, literally, this is what happened. He got arrested, and he went to jail. He got out of jail, like, late that night. So, that was literally what happened. And I know this because the day of the show, of that, that day, we were supposed to go to a show that was being run by uh, the real nature boy, Paul Lee. And Buffett called me that morning. Told me, make sure you're at my house at 1 o'clock. No problem. I get in the car. I drive to his house. I get there at 1 o'clock. There's no one there. There's no car in the driveway. The door is locked. I'm ringing. I'm knocking on the door. I'm ringing the bell. What's going on? I try to call Buff. I can't get an answer. I'm calling. I wait a couple minutes. I call. I'm sitting on the front porch of this house for over an hour trying to get him on the phone. Finally, I get a phone call from his dad. Calls me. Somehow he got my number. He called me. Told me what happened. Gave me Paulie's number because I didn't have it. So I was the one that had to call Paulie and tell Buff. I mean, and tell him Buff can't make it because he's in jail. I'm like, do you want me to say he's in jail? You can say that. Okay. So I told him. Paul said that was, and Paul felt bad. And I said, told him everything. He hung up the phone. At that point, I got in the car and I went and I left. There's nothing for me to do. And then later that night, I got a call from Buff saying I'm out of jail. And we were able to do what we were going to do on Sunday. So, so to the extent of that, what happened? But um, Buff had me come by the house a few days later and Buff wanted to speak to everybody he wanted to make he wanted to speak to everybody and um i basically checked on him made sure you know i went by the house and said uh like i saw a Coors light because he loves his Coors light sitting on the counter and i said how many of those have you had and he said just the one and i said okay because you know i i know some people like to sit at home like to unwind with beer and get drunk but if you're if you're even if you're so much as slurring we can't make this fucking video and i told him that and he said okay so i'm gonna play this clip real quick this is what buff had to say about what went down. <laughs> I love going live because live just is live. You can't do it no other way. I am buff. I am the stuff. And the girls just can't get enough. But Saturday, June 19th, from 9 a.m. until 2 p.m., you can come see me, Buff Bagwell, at Big D Flea Market at 3451. Cleveland Highway in Dalton, Georgia. The best part of this is you will get to hear my side of the story that everybody's been talking about. There's only two people that know the truth. And guess who those two people are? God and Buff Bagwell. Boom Promotions got very, very smart and are going to let me tell my side of the story. So, if you want to hear the truth about the incident on May 22nd, come to Big D Flea Market, and I will be there from 9 a.m. until 2 p.m. telling the absolute truth. Anybody that knows Buff Bagwell knows I tell the truth, whether it's good or bad. And I'm telling you, I'll be doing that. So, if you want information on this, you need to get on it. It's a number. It's a good number. It's 423-504. We're live, though, right? We're live. <laughs> the phone just rang and we're live. 
But listen to me. You can call 423-504-6461 and get your tickets while they last. So I'm telling you, brother, this is going to be hot. It's cool. And I want you to know, honest to God, this has been the biggest deal that's happened to me in a long, long time. And I want to thank every person that's prayed for me, cared for me, and actually gave a crap about me. Not the ones, not the haters, the ones that really, really cared about Buff Bagwell. I want to say thank you so much. So come out and talk to me and get to meet me one-on-one and then make your judgment on what you feel. You know, like we did a minute ago with it live. My phone ain't rang in five hours that it rang. That's the way my life is, and that's okay. But come out and check it out. Come meet me. And but listen to this. Without the fans, there's absolutely no buff. And there's absolutely no wrestling. Because the fans make everything happen. Without you guys, there is no buff. There is no wrestling. So thank you guys so much. I really appreciate it. And just come out, and I promise you, you will see and hear everything you want to hear. So, once again, it's on June 19th in Dalton, Georgia, baby. So come out and get ready to have some real fun. Boom! I also would like to point out that Paulie, ironically, was the one that was calling Buff at the time we shot that live video. Wow. Oh, I'm glad he got that information out. That's what we needed. We needed to hear it straight from the horse's mouth, so we got it. Yeah, and he says on, he's going to be, like he said, the Big D Flea Market in Dalton, Georgia. I'm going to be there with him. And um, he said he wants to tell, you know, his side of the story and everything that happened. That's why, you know, I'm just giving the facts here of the case. I'm not going to say anything because, you know, Buff made it clear that he wants to save it for Dalton to tell everything that happened. So, you know, and it's and I will say that it is um, this is something that's very serious. And one of the key things I've been talking to Buff about uh, over the last couple of weeks is how serious he needs to take this. And what I love most about it is Buff looked me dead in the eye and said, look, you're my manager. So if there's if you, whatever you feel I need to do, manage me. Like if you have an idea, if you have a way we should go about this, if there's an opinion that you have, don't feel like you can't tell me. And what to have to know that I have carte blanche to do that makes me feel comfortable about being his manager. It means I can I can come to him and say, dude, what you're doing is great, or dude, this is this is bad. We gotta change this. Like he's he values my input, which I think is a key thing. I'm not, he didn't, I, that makes me feel good. It makes me feel like, okay, this guy didn't hire me to be a yes man. He hired me to tell it like it is. And I think that's what you need in a manager or a publicist or a client or whatever, whatever my job title is. Right now it's manager, but you know, it's, it's starting to affect, because there are people out there who have booked him for shows who are nervous about what's going to happen. And I've had to do PR damage control. Thank God I took public relations in college. So it's. He's taking this seriously, and not that he wasn't taking it seriously before, but I, I'm damn well making sure that he does. So I I don't want anything like this to happen again, and 
I'm going to try to make sure of that. Good for you, Vinny. You're taking the right steps. You're making it happen. Awesome. Can't wait for to hear whatever comes about in that flea marketplace and get the news out there and let all the Buck fans know what's going on in the world of Buck Bagwell. Absolutely. Like I said, he'll be there from 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. It's Big D Flea Market, 3451 Cleveland Highway, Dalton, Georgia, 30721. So you can come out, meet Buff Bagwell, you know, get an autograph, a picture, all the stuff that he usually does. And, of course, he's going to tell his side of the story. We'll be there from 9 to 2, 9 a.m. to 2 p.m., Saturday, June 19th. So on that note, uh, Elvis, it is now time for Mystic Elvis. Mystic Elvis, we are going to do your tarot readings for today, friend. And just yours. We're going to get this taken care of. So, the way this works, I'm going to shuffle a whole bunch of cards. I'm going to be placing my hand um, over the cards. And we're going to choose six. So, again, at your earliest convenience, you just tell me when to stop. And I'll pick a card and we'll go through. Whenever you're ready, Benny. I'm ready. Say stop. Stop. Okay. Interesting. Keep going. Stop. All right. Four more. Stop. Three more. Stop. Two more. Stop. One more. Stop. Hey, <clears throat> Mr. Galvis will be speaking. You feel it by yourself. The world. You're about to reach or already having a period of total fulfillment, wholeness, and satisfaction. The arrival of your heart's desires. You feel satisfied with what you've achieved and are enjoying the rewards of past efforts. A happy time or a time of happy outcomes, material wealth, and greater spiritual awareness. Cool. What you want most right now. Sun. Sun suggests that you, the what you most want at this time is enjoy and pleasure in your life. Perhaps a long need a holiday in the sun or recharge your batteries. You may have been through a period of challenges or a time of limbo of inactivity. The sun heralds an ending to difficulties at a time to celebrate with friends and loved ones. A time of pleasure and a possibility of good news around children or conception of birth of long-aged babies. Hmm, that is interesting. Part number three, your fears. I know. Card number three, your fears, the star. You are fearful of the future and lacking in self-belief. Afraid of your hopes will be dashed. Well, don't be. This will be your wish card and signifies time of joy and fulfillment. Good health, possibly a time of after a time of illness, and good fortune will give you a new zest of life. Considering a new love affair, a new job or go for it. Also receive a gift or gifts. Card number four, this is going for you. What is going for you? The Empress. Harvest is here. You are entering a cycle of an abundance, happiness, and joy. Creative energy is high, so if you're considering starting a family, a new job, or artistic in Denver, this is a favorable time. Relax and enjoy. What is going against you? Hero fence. You are simply struggling to conform to others' expectations of you and everybody as an opinion of what you should do. Perhaps you should. You are having a crisis of faith or unsettling at a very spiritual level. Ask yourself who you really are. What is important to you or what makes you happy? Seek out advice or wise counsel if you wish, but accepting who you really are and going after instead of what others think is most important to you. 
And last but not least, the likely outcome, strength. Courage and self-belief is what you need to succeed. You may already feel overflowing with those. If there's no doubt, you will achieve what you want in career, finances, and love life. If you are feeling negative, look inward for what strength and courage is. You know you are capable of having self-belief if you and you will reap the great rewards. So those are your tarot for this week, next week, whatever. <laughs> Nice. How do you feel about those readings? Pretty hectic. I mean, like it said that I'm entering a new endeavor. Some of that was hard. Some of it was interesting. Yeah. I mean, if you're feeling creative, um, this is the only thing you're really looking is you're really um, lacking is self-confidence, which is something that comes with. Yeah. Um, it's about your fears, about, you know, having um, your fearful or future, but it says not to. Um, well, it says you should be coming in a time of great happiness. Well, um, the only thing I'm really holding it back are the people or your naysayers. So as long as you believe what you're doing, you should be fine. At yeah. the end of it, you come out stronger for everything you've been through. So yeah. there you go. It's actually interesting because um, one of the things that um, Buff and I have been talking about, because, um, you know, obviously Buff asked me to be his manager and I agreed to do so. And um, apparently um, his uh, his roommate, uh, Ron, um, and I mentioned this to Elvis a while back. I told you the guy has a mattress store. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I didn't know. I was. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. And they were. And for years, um, he's been trying to. He used to have a mattress store down in South Carolina, but he recently opened one in Marietta. But for years, he had been talking about wanting to open a mattress store in Georgia and trying to get me to be in there and run it. And I have been, I've been hesitant, like just like no, not wanting to do that because I'm already like, look, I'm already in customer service. I don't need to trade that for another one. Like, because he would say, it's like these mattresses practically sell themselves. All you really gotta do is talk to people. And I'm like, do you not know me at all? Like <laughs> talking to people is it's it, it's 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 some type of skill that I have, but it's also very 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 unsettling when I have to deal with rude and stupid people. I, I know my patience level is like that. But Buff was saying how they really needed somebody in the mattress store, and he, we were going back and forth, and I said, I don't really know if I want to do this. So Buff kind of did to me what my dad's bosses did for him when he went to Chicago. Because a long time ago, my dad was working in Chicago. But and but at first, he didn't want to go. He was like, I don't want to drive that far. I don't want to go away from my family. I don't want to do any of this. So finally, his bosses sat him down and said, we need you in Chicago. What's it going to take to get you to go to Chicago? And so my dad finally said, all right, you really want me in Chicago? Here are my terms. He laid them all out. They agreed to them. So he went to Chicago. It was kind of similar here. I basically told Buff, look, this is what I'm going to need if I'm going to be part of this mattress store. If I'm going to if I'm going to help you guys with this mattress store, this is what I need to feel comfortable about this. And I, I won't go into details about it, but I gave out eight demands. They agreed to six of them. And the six they agreed to were the six I really wanted. The other two were just kind of like, let me see if I can get a yes out of these. I didn't. But the other six I really wanted. So I said, okay, I'll do it. And Buff even said to make sure you don't get, and this is how nice Buff is. He said, look, to make sure you don't get screwed on this, because I know that's a fear you have, because it is, because he said, we're going to put all this in writing so you get what you want and that the money we're agreeing to, you're going to get. So, and Buff's offering me a lot of money to do this. So, in the spirit of that, I agree to be part of the mattress store. So, uh, that's, so in a couple of weeks, I'm going to be doing that on a more regular basis. Right now, I'm only doing it a couple days a week, but eventually, it's going to become a regular part of my career. And the reason I agreed to it was because it was like I said before, when I asked Buff to be the manager, to be his manager, is it going to be worth my, is it going to affect the other things going on in my life? And am I going to make good money at this? And I'm not going to get screwed over. Turns out I am going to make good money doing this. If everything goes according to plan, 
And two, it's not going to affect anything else. Because if I have to film something or if I have, you know, like if the going live show comes back for a second season when it does, I'm going to have time off to go film that. Uh, if I get a comedy gig, can I go do that? Uh, I asked if I could have Tuesdays off because that's the one day I don't work at HVMA. So I can have a full day off to like relax and not be stressed. They agreed to all of that. They were like done, done, done. So based on all that, I agreed to be part of the store. So that horoscope actually makes me feel better about doing this, knowing that um, things are going to come around the bend. So I, I hope those tarot cards are right. I'm going to come out the other side feeling good. Well, I'm glad you got some opportunities to come your way, man. I mean, yeah, I told you to take this thing, whatever. Um, you're finally listening. You're doing it. Um, I know I told you you surprise yourself. If you got yourself in this position, I surprise yourself with what you can't accomplish. It looks like you are. So good for you, man. Um, everything's coming up, Vinny, man. That's good. Everything's coming up, Booch. Yeah. So uh, you going to do one for yourself? Um, No. I'm not going to sit there and do myself this week. Um. I I know my week's gonna hold for me as of right now, so I don't want to sit there and see something else. It's gonna it's just I'm gonna I'm gonna just guess based on what I have on here. Work life is gonna be crazy. Um, the work the work life has kind of been hectic right now, so I can't do it because I know what to, to anticipate, and it's not gonna get any better. So right, if I press those cards, I just know what's gonna happen. It's gonna be it's just pretty much says like uh it's gonna be a whole bunch of cards like death, poverty, anxiety. Uh, mental illness and uh, maybe debilitation. So I want to stay away from those cards because I know what's going to happen. I don't need a crystal ball to look into my future for this week because it's not going to be great. Oh, oh I thought I was going to. Um, oh, I thought I was going to have anxiety, death, anxiety, and mental illness. And so the tarot cards made me feel a little bit better about what I'm doing because, like I said, my genuine fear was: was I going to get paid? You know, how much money am I going to make? Am I even going to get money out of it? You know, that was a fear that I had. And also, would it take away from everything else that I'm doing? So after they said yes, after reading those tarot cards, it's making me feel better about the whole thing. But uh, ladies and gentlemen, I, mean, uh, I, mean, I, just, I, I know I just I just feel like that if I press the cards. It's just going to add on to it, though. The cards were meant for you this week, it sounds like. So for the feeling for me, it's going to be like, nope, I'm going to wait till next week to show if it's true or not. That way I can give a better depiction. So I'm thinking the week's going to be bad. When we do the show next week, when we do the reading for mine. I'll do your horoscope next week and I'll do my tarot codes for next week. And hopefully we'll have a better outcome for it. Sounds good. And I'm getting the word from our uh, PRP that we got to wrap this uh, show up. Um, so, ladies and gentlemen, uh, make sh- I want to th- uh, thank you guys for tuning in this week. Elvis, thank you for taking time out of your uh, busy schedule to chat. I look forward to talking to you next week, man. We got we, we to gotta have more stories. All right, cool, man. Well, it was good to be back. Um, you know, we'll do some other stuff later on. Um, I'm going to go to the pool with my daughter, we'll eat some lunch real quick, and then uh, recap AEW and uh, do a whole bunch of different things. So, guys, thank you so much for having me. Have yourself a good week. Take care of each other and yourselves. And, Vinny, send us out. Absolutely. So make sure you guys are following us on Anchor, Spotify, Breaker, and Google Podcast. Uh, follow us on, on which one is your favorite. Follow us on all four if you wish. Either way, you're getting a great listen to the show. Also, make sure you like us on Facebook. Go to Facebook.com slash TheBoochCast. We got archived episodes of the show as well as great content up there all the time. Also, make sure you're following us on Twitter and Instagram at TheBoochCast. Get the latest tweets photos and videos in fact we are in fact if you want to see uh, some of the fun that elvis had in south carolina some of those photos are up there on the instagram already so make sure you guys check those out also subscribe to the youtube channel uh we got our great youtube content we got more stuff coming soon including the Boochcast reviews dark side of the rain check out all the episodes we got up there currently and of course at we're going to be bringing in the new episodes at some point i know they're uh wrapping up the first half soon so uh we'll be giving you the videos of brian 
Ryan Pillman. We're going to be talking about Nick Gage, the collision in Korea, the Ultimate Warrior, the Smith family, which um, is a little fourth wall break here. We're actually shooting that video tomorrow, but we're shooting the Smith family tomorrow, but the rest of it will be shot at a later date. And then, of course, Dynamite Kid. We're going to get to those as well. So Elvis Desmond and I will find a time to do the, to do the Brian Pillman, the Ultimate Warrior, and the Dynamite Kid. Um, we got Desmond and Zach coming here tomorrow to do uh, the Smith family. And, of course, Gator, John, and I will be taking care of the collision in Korea. So be on the lookout for those videos coming soon. But in the meantime, in between time, check out what we got. Even see the one shot that we did of D&D, the WrestleMania Night 1 watch party. And, of course, make sure you guys are following us on Twitch. Go to twitch.tv slash theboochcast. Check out all of our live stuff that we got on there. That's where we stream live when we do some fun things. We have our wrestling watch parties. The next one will be August 21st for WWE SummerSlam. So make sure you guys are checking us out there. And once we get the D&D show up and running, which hopefully will be sooner than we think because uh, John is getting settled into his new home. So... Hopefully when John and I uh, recap this week's NXT, we should have the answers that we seek or at least get some type of ex extended timeline on when this is going to happen. But the more John gets settled in that new home, the closer to the date we get. As I mentioned before, we have a big surprise for the D&D show that we cannot reveal yet. But when we do, y'all will love every minute of it. So make sure you're following us on Twitch for those two things as well as future Twitch content. And of course... Support the show through Anchor. You can go to anchor.fm slash theboochcast slash support and become a supporter of the show. Like I said before, we're going to have prizes for each spot coming soon. But even if you support the show, even if you donate, before we get to the prizes, we will see which tier you're on and we will send that prize to you once it is created. So don't feel like you have to wait for the prize. It will come to you. And you can choose to either contribute to the show for 99 cents a month. That's the first tier. Second tier is $4.99 per month. Same price as a uh, Peacock subscription. And, of course, the last one is $9.99 per month. With a so you can, uh, same price as a WWE Network subscription. You can come support this show. And you can pay with a credit card or you can use GPay. If you have Google Pay, you can use that as well. And until next time, this is Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch, saying keep on living life and take care. This has been The Booch Cast. We'll talk to you guys next time. Until then, pizza, baby! Well, I see by the clock on a wall that it's time to bid you one and all goodbye. Goodbye. So long. So long. Farewell. Farewell. Adieu. Adieu. Be good. Stay well. Bye-bye. Keep warm. Relax. And eat. Take care. Stay loose. Adieu, mon vieux. À la prochaine. Goodbye till when we meet again.